Great. Thanks again, Andrew, for um, doing that for us and leading. And uh, yeah, it's really been great to be able to do that. Um, so again, this is week three in the Psalms, and um, we're really just doing this for the summer. Uh, after this, once you know, again, Lord willing, I hope that we'll be we'll be back. Um, but we'll be um, actually starting a new series. We're going to be actually going into Second Peter, uh, which is just a couple weeks, just a few chapters. Um, and then after that, we're going to be jumping into the Book of Romans, and that's probably going to be a whole a whole year uh, worth at least of a study which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, it's a, it's a big book and it's a, it's a deep theological book, which I'm a, I'm a fan of, of that. Um, and, uh, so anyways, I'm looking forward to that, but, uh, today, um, this is something God has put on my heart, um, really in light. And again, if you are, um, on my hope CC, which I hope all of you are, um, it's just, it's really the only way that I have to send out an email of communication to you all. Um, Nolan, if you're, if I know you're listening, if, if you can maybe just try to get a link in the comment section of like, if you want to, if you're not signed up for my hope CC, here's what you click on to sign up. Um, and then if you are signed up on my hope CC, maybe you're not getting in the email. So maybe you need to go in, log in, go into your settings. Um, there's probably more information I probably should give you about how to do that, but, um, you're all young millennial, uh, type and Gen Z's. And I think you could probably figure out how to get the email updates if, if that's something you want. So it's really the only way that I can. Um, thank you, Nolan. It's really the only way that I can communicate with you effectively. And so, um, especially in this time, it's just what I want to be able to do. So in there, I was actually planning on, on, on speaking on Psalm 110 this week. Um, but some things happened. Um, we had the president of the United States, um, President Trump, say that churches are essential and that they should be meeting. Um, and, uh, and that he would even actually override what, what governors are saying. And then we have, uh, governor walls, uh, who says, nope, no more than 10, uh, gathered socially distanced with masks on uh, for the foreseeable future. Right. Uh, and then we have that church down in Mississippi that said, Hey, we don't care what the government says. We're going to start meeting that was burned to the ground. And then someone spray painted the parking lot. Uh, how about you meet now you hypocrites? Right. It's not just a rock and a hard place. It's, it's a rock and a hard place and a cliff. You know what I mean? Like, so, so is there, is there a fourth option? Is there, is there something we can do? Is there something that we can do as Christians to say, we, we want to gather, we want to be together in this time. We, we need each other. We do, we, we long for each other. And yet I want to love my neighbor. Uh, I want to respect the governor. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm not offending the world and people that don't believe my Jesus, how can I act? How can we live? How can we act as a body of believers in this time? And so that's really what I want to talk about. So I was going to speak on Psalm 110. Maybe I'll get to there later some other time. Um, but uh, I want to spend some time this morning looking at Psalm 137, just a portion of it, one through six. And then at the end, looking at Psalm 147, one through seven, they're not necessarily connected other than just a little bit of their language. And so I want to I want to just look at these two Psalms because I think they're really important for us right now. Um, and I've titled the sermon, uh, How Can I Sing? Right? I mean, we just got done singing, but we're looking into a computer screen. Right? I, I'm alone. I, I, um, and, you know, again, my family's up there. I know my wife is doing her best to watch and, and, and watch the kids. And I know there's other families that are doing the same, same thing. And then there's individuals that are by themselves or have roommates. And you know, maybe it's like, my, my roommates hear me singing. That's kind of awkward. Like, what? How can I sing? How can my heart be glad? How can my heart rejoice and worship my God 
now in this time that we're in. So a couple words that I want to say about meeting and opening up. First thing is this, and 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 I want to be careful with my words here, but uh, I uh, have 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 COVID nineteen, um, and uh, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie; it, it um, makes me feel very uncomfortable. I um, cannot focus. My brain is incredibly fuzzy. Um, I I have been tested, but the results haven't come back yet. So. Um, I went and got tested yesterday. They said three to five days. It's a um, you know Memorial Day weekend, and and so who knows how long that's going to take. For me, it was really just a formality. Um, uh, symptoms for me have been in, being incredibly dizzy, um, can't focus. Um, Angela is the same way. She doesn't she didn't get the dizziness aspect of it the way I have, but um, zero taste and zero smell. And when I say zero, I mean I mean I mean zero. Um, I mean, I, I just diluted the cough. Normally, Angela and I make a, a, a big pot of half-calf. And I was like, why waste the decaf coffee? You know what I mean? Just have watered-down caffeinated coffee. Isn't that still half-calf? I can't taste it anyways. Yesterday, we both just munched on a giant raw carrot for lunch because it was like, why? You know what I mean? It, I mean, nothing. Um, it's very uncomfortable. And I don't know, you know, when, you know, maybe maybe two more weeks of that. I don't, I don't know. Um, haven't necessarily had any issues breathing. Um, but, uh, anyways, that, that's where we're at. Um, and, and, and so, so when can we reopen? Well, I'm telling you right now, as your pastor, I've, if I've got it, which I'm very confident I do, and the doctors that I've interacted with are pretty confident that I have it. Well, I can't meet this, this Sunday. And, and that means another two, two more weeks. So we're talking maybe three weeks. Could we open then? I, I mean, I don't know. Right. And this thing, guys, I, I've done, I've done my best. <laughs> to social distance. I've done my best to be very careful. Um, I, I don't know how I got it. I don't know how my, even my, my in-laws seem to have it as well. We don't know, right? They've been socially, I've been socially distancing. Every time I go out, I've got, I've gone to like Home Depot and I've gone to, to Target and Costco. And every time I wear, I actually have some N95 masks. I actually wear some good masks and, and somehow this still happens. I haven't shaken anyone's hand. I haven't given anyone a hug simply by being in the room with other people that have it. I got it. Um, and, and so I, you know, I've, I, it's, it's hard on my kids cause we've got friends now that I can't hang out with my neighbors and fill in the blank. Right. And I, so what's this mean? What's this look like going forward? What it means is I want to be careful. Right? I don't wish what I'm feeling and I've got the mildest of symptoms, right? I've lost two of my five senses and it's not fun. Um, and it could be worse for a lot of people. Uh, and I just say it hasn't been that way for me yet. Um, and Lord willing. And, um, and I pray that it doesn't get worse for Angela and me or my boys. And um, Part of that, and just please forgive me if I seem very scatterbrained. It's because I'm, I, I'm just trying to lock it in here this morning. Um, when it comes to the building, we rent, right? We have a little bit more say than Columbia Heights location because they rent from a school. Now, if the school says you're not meeting, they're not meeting. Um, if First Baptist says you're not meeting, we're not meeting either. But I think that they would give us a little bit more leeway if we wanted to try to social distance in the building. And what would that look like being safe? OK, that's but that's down the road here. We're not there yet. Why? Well, the Project Home Day Center, there's a lot of individuals that are vulnerable, uh, homeless that are living in that building. Um, and for, for me, somebody who's gotten it to go to go there into that space. Um, and, and jeopardize their health, jeopardize your health. It's just not wise. It's foolish. 
uh, to say, well, I've got rights. We should be able to meet as a church. We should be able to assemble. Yeah, it's just not wise. Um, uh, attached to the building, literally sharing the same airspace, um, is the Lions Court Senior Apartments. A lot of you know sweet, sweet old Annabella, um, who uh, comes to our services in the morning. She goes to every church service uh, in the community. Um, and she's just, she comes to our prayer, prayer meetings in the morning, you know, at 830. And she just, she's, a, she's awesome. Um, but she lives in the building attached. They don't even have to go outside. They can just walk right inside. I unlock the door for them every morning and they come on into church. And um, one of the ladies that you've probably seen around, maybe, you know, at least in between services, she attends First Baptist. Uh, she played the piano uh, for them every week. Her name was uh, Dorothea McKenzie, a sweet little African-American lady who rode on the, the little scooter. She, she passed away from this thing. And, and Annabelle told me that six people in her building have now died from COVID-19. But it's just not, it's not safe. Um, and as your pastor, you, you could be chomping at the bit just like I am. Like, oh, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of feeling sick and tired. I'm sick of being alone. I'm sick of not seeing you and my friends. Um, I want this to end. And yet, what does it look like? And so I, that's why I want to look at these passages today. Is there a fourth option? How can we assemble? How can we love each other? How can we love the world? How can we point them to Jesus in this time? And so that's, that's what I want to uh, look at for the remainder of our, of our time. Um, I want to briefly, though, ask you a question and feel free to put it in the comments here is what comes to mind when you think of Daniel, right? When you think of Daniel from, from the Bible, um, it's, a, it's a larger uh, book in the Old Testament and there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and it, so maybe for some of you, if you're like me, you have flashbacks to, to charts of end times and prophecy, that could be one thing. Um, I know growing up, we always used the flannel graph things in Sunday school. I grew up in the church and as a lot of you know, and and they would take these little cutouts of, of the flannel graph, you know, and, and I know, you know, this was Moses the week before, and it was David the week before, but this week, the same guy is going to be Daniel. And, um, and it was, you know, Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den is kind of something I always think of. And, um, recently, well, not recently before COVID-19, I took Henry and Jack to the zoo and, uh, and in there, uh, the lions, Henry, Henry is afraid of the lions, right? And just because they're big and, and they, they're usually right there by the, by the glass. All right. Um, and I went in there and, and there was a, a worker there and I said, where are the, where are the lions? You know, they're not over in the outside cage. They're not here. And he said, yeah, they're not, they're not, um, you know, uh, out for viewing right now. We got a new female and, um, and, and the female doesn't like the male and they got into a fight and they broke the glass, like in the observation. And, and, and he showed me and it was like, they covered it up with like, like uh, wrapping paper. I don't know why, what that was about, but you could look behind it and it was just like, like the, like the, the glass, right? The thick to protect you from the lions was, was broken, right? That's, that's what I think of, right? So I, I see here from, from Nolan. Oh no, what were you going to do? The king likes Daniel more than me. Good. Nice. Thanks, Nolan. Uh, yeah, three times a day prayer. There's a lot of things um, that, that I think that we may think of when we think of, of Daniel. Um, think of maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends, thrown into the fiery furnace. Um, there's a lot of different things that may come into mind, but I want to give us a little, a brief history on, on Daniel and, and what, what happened with him. He was an Israelite who was taken into captivity by an, by an evil, I mean wicked wicked man 
and king named Nebuchadnezzar. Um, this man, if, if he wasn't demon-possessed, which I, I would be surprised if, if he wasn't, um, worshipped uh, a demon, uh, worshipped the demon evil god of Marduk. Um, and the way that they worshipped this god, uh, without getting too graphic, was through child sacrifice. Um, and, and, and so then uh, this is what it says in Daniel 1, uh, 1 and 2. This is how the book opens up. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And this is what it says. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's part of Israel, into his hand. Along with some of the articles of the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God, Marduk, in Babylon, in Babylonia, and put, put him in the treasure house of his God. See what it says there? And the Lord delivered. Right? So, so why? Right? The, that Israel was living in sin. They were refusing to worship God the way that God had outlined in Scripture. And God says, okay, you want to continue rejecting me? You want to, you know who I am. I have revealed myself to you specifically, Israel. You want to reject me? You want to live like the pagans? Go ahead. And he sends Nebuchadnezzar, an evil man, to do God's work, to capture the Israelites. And they go into captivity. Immediately they change Daniel's name, uh, which meant God is my judge, to uh, Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince. Bel was a name for Marduk. Right, you you are now Marduk's prince instead of God is my judge. And in 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 our culture, we don't really have a lot of weight in our names, right? I'm I'm Brian Silver. That means my name's Brian Silver. Um, it doesn't connect me to a culture. It doesn't connect me to an ethnicity. It doesn't connect me to anything, right? It's just this is who I am, right? But our names carry weight. I remember in in college, I was um, John Proctor in uh, the the Crucible. And if you know anything about that story, it's the Salem witch trials. And anyways, John Proctor, my character, gets accused of being a witch. And uh, either you confess to being a witch and then you got to live or you said, nope, I'm not a witch. And they killed you. And uh, it was it was that was what I call a witch hunt. Um, and so a lot of people said, yeah, I'm, I'm a witch. Just let me live. Right. And that was John and my character. And so he said, yeah, I'll sign. I'll, 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 uh, I'll write my confession. I'll confess that I am a witch. Uh, that I, I am one with the devil, uh, let me live. Let me care about my family. Let me take care of my kids. And then they said, okay, you need to sign the, you need to sign your, your confession. So why do you don't, why do I need to sign it? You just heard me confess it. They said, no, we need, we need everybody to know that you, that you're a witch. And he said, I've given you everything. I've given you my soul. Leave me my name. Leave me my name. Right, what, my, what are my kids going to think of me if they read this letter with my name on it? This is, who I, this is who I am. And immediately right here, in this context, Daniel is forced to change his name, his culture. He's, he's made a, a eunuch, right? He's castrated so that he can be within the king's harem. Um, all of these different things that are going on to this guy. And again, this is no fault of Daniel's. Daniel hasn't done anything wrong. We're going to learn that Daniel was a very upright man. That he followed after God. He sought him. He feared God. That, that even when the king said, do this thing against your God, I want you to sin. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. There was a 90-foot statue that Nebuchadnezzar built of himself. And those who refused uh, were put to death. We read this in Daniel 3, 1 through 15. This is where his friends, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose all their names were changed as well, were thrown into the furnace. And God protected them. 
Nebuchadnezzar was so, so twisted and evil. He actually had a dream one night and he didn't know what it meant and he wanted it to be interpreted. So he goes to his interpreters and Daniel's one of them, right? He was trained in these pagan arts, learned their, their gods and their languages and all these different things, right? And the king goes to them and says, I want you to interpret my dream, but here's a twist. I'm not going to tell you what my dream was. And if you don't interpret my dream, I'm going to kill you all. And God helps Daniel and he's able to interpret his dream. Again, this is no fault of Daniel's. Daniel was in exile in a situation he didn't want to be in. He's removed from Jerusalem. He's removed from this place of worship where he was allowed to assemble with his people. And he's robbed of that. Not because of anything he had done, but because of the sin. And I think we find ourselves in a situation that we are completely out of control. That this isn't God's punishment like it is here in this. But we're removed. We're, we are in exile. How do I know that? Because I can't see you. I can't touch you. I, I can't, I'm not even a, a touchy-feely guy. Right? But I'm going to, I can't, I can't wait to hug some of you. All of you, I don't care. I, once I get better. Um, you're like, oh, please don't. <laughs> Again, no fault of our own. We, we long to go back to Jerusalem. We, we long to assemble again. So I want to read Psalm 137, 1 through 6. It says this. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. By the rivers of Minnesota and Mississippi, we weep because we remember what it's like to go to church together. There on the poplars, these trees, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked, asked us for our songs, our tormentors demanding songs of joy. Right, insert COVID-19. We don't have tormentors. We don't have the government telling us we can't sing. We don't have captives telling us, dance, sing for me. Sing songs of what it was like to be in church. They said, sing to us the songs of Zion. Sing us the songs of Jerusalem. And the psalmist says this, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we are in a foreign land? It's hard singing. I'm glad that Andrew and Zach were able to help us out and lead us in actual worship. It's hard. How can my heart be glad? How can I sing about the Lord and the church when I'm not there with you, when I can't hear your voices? So I want to ask, and I want you to put this in the comments, and I, and I asked you to do this in the email on my hope CC if you're able to get that. What are you lamenting? What are you missing? And it doesn't necessarily have to only be church-related. I miss going to the zoo with my kids. I miss being able to think straight right now. <laughs> what are you missing? It's okay to lament. It's okay to cry. How can we sing? Well, I hope that we can get an answer. For the rest of us today. Psalm 137, continuing in verse 5. I can't see anything. Excuse me. Yeah. 
Verse 5 says this, If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. And he misses it. He longs to go back to that space where he can meet and worship with God's people. So what do we do? We miss each other deeply, right? Every week, every week, this gets harder. It gets harder for me emotionally, spiritually, physically, everything, fill in the blank. It just gets harder. So what do we do? What do we read? Who do we read? There's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of posts and podcasts and and articles and even books probably already be written and YouTube channels and 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 for, from all walks of life. Who do we listen to? When when should we start to assemble together as a church? I think the Bible actually says a lot about this. So I'm not going to read a blog. I'm not going to talk about some popular podcast. I'm not going to talk about some popular pastor. And this is what they say. I want to look at the Bible. And look at a passage that we recently spent some time, uh, not that long ago, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 through 17. And even one of these passages, I spent a whole sermon, verses 13 through uh, 17, looking at what is what is our church's relationship with the government, um, that we are unapologetically not Republican. We are unapologetically not Democratic. We are unapologetically not Libertarian. We are focused on the kingdom of God first. And how does that focus of God and Christ then influence my politics? How does my kingdom-centeredness of Christ and what he wants for me impact this how we respond to this? First Peter chapter 2, 11 through 17 says this. Dear friends, I urge you, I urge you, Hope Community Church, as foreigners and exiles. We are in exile. It's okay to, to recognize that. This is not normal. He says this. Well, let me say this. I wrote this down in my notes, and, and so I'm glad I did. We're foreigners and exiles, right? This is just a taste of what it means to be in exile. I mean, just a, just a taste. Right? We've, we've been out a couple months. It, Israel was in Babylon for 70 years. That there were generations that were born and died that never knew what it was like to assemble in the church, to assemble in the temple in Israel. I'm no prophet. This is not going to last 70 years, right? It's not going to happen. That we will get to gather together. When? I don't know. It's not going to be 70 years from now. And I think now we get to get a little glimpse of what maybe the persecuted church is like, that they don't get to assemble when they want to, that they don't have the freedoms that they want. We're getting a little bit of taste of that, not because the government is limiting us, because this disease is. He says this, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. How do we do that? How do we live such good lives? How do we live lives now in the midst of COVID-19 to point to my neighbors that I love them? 
you know what I, I did? I, yesterday I texted my neighbors said, hey, I think I've got this. I've got a lot of symptoms. And I want you to be careful. And I want to be careful because I care about you. But how do we do this as a church? How do we do this as a body? Well, Peter continues in verse 13, submit, yourself, submit yourselves to the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor, which again in the context is Nero, not a good guy, um, capturing Christians that were criminals, dipping them in oil and wax and lighting them on fire to be candles for his garden parties. That's not Trump. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors. Again, th these two are even not on the same page. How do we respond? The governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. How do we love our neighbors? Live as free people. We have rights. There are friends of mine that are saying, I'm going to go against what the governor is saying and we're going to assemble. We're going to meet. We're going to try social distancing, but there will be more than 10 people. The president has said he has deemed us essential. And I, th I think I think this is what, again, Peter, Peter's not talking about COVID-19, right? So I don't want to commit the crime of eisegesis, which I hate so much, of taking my situation and jamming it into a passage. I don't want to do that. I don't want to commit that, that error, that heresy. But he says, live as free people. We have freedoms. We have rights. It's called the First Amendment, right? But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. You can harm people in this. I could literally kill people right now with my disease. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Moving on to Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4. It says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement... Right? Can, this is the Apostle Paul writing his church in Philippi. Can you just hear me as your pastor saying these words to you? Therefore, if you have any, I mean any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make it my joy complete by being like-minded. Can we please be like-minded in this? This isn't just my decision. I hope you know that, that we have elders at Lower Town, but we have elders at, at Hope Community Church as a whole. There's about 20 of us. We have governance teams and staff. I mean, this is probably about a 40 to 50 person um, endeavor to make these decisions, and it's not taken lightly, and it's not an easy decision. But yet we have all reached a consensus that this is the best thing for us to do as a church right now. It's the not me. On that level, I'll get to that in a second, but can we be like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Church, I want you to think of, of sweet Annabella right now, who's living next door, who's elderly, whose friends are dying from this, what would that mean to her if we just started assembling? 
and yet I miss her. I want to respect her, I want to love her, and yet there are people that I know are, are, are lonely and hurting. I just read in California that, that there's been an entire year's worth of suicides in one month. This is hard. And all I want to do is run up to, to Nolan Bauer and give him a hug. And again, I'm not a huggy guy. I want to hug Chaz. Maybe, maybe not Chaz. I'm just kidding, but I love you. This is hard. But can we value others above ourselves, please? Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. I want to read a little bit of a, of a book, and I apologize. I normally would type this up and put it in a PowerPoint, but last night as I was putting this PowerPoint together, I just, I couldn't think. Um, this is from uh, Larry Osborne's book, Thriving in Babylon. Uh, this was written uh, pre-COVID-19. Um, well, whatever. I don't know when exactly, but probably 2017, 18. He, he came to Hope a couple years ago and spoke on this and I read it back then, but it, it has a new meaning now. He's talking about Daniel in this book. He says, when Babylon prospers, we prosper. So let me quote and just read this. A final problem with the spiritual warfare paradigm is that it creates a false impression that success of the wicked means failure of the righteous. It's one reason so many of us have a hard time humbly serving a profane boss or submitting to godless governing authorities. We assume that if they succeed, we fail. Yet that's not how it works. Now, obviously, our submission to those in authority doesn't include sin. When offered a non-kosher diet, Daniel refused to eat it. His three friends chose a fiery furnace rather than bowing down to a golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel continued to publicly pray even after it was declared a capital offense. But the fact remains that when our leaders prosper, we prosper. And when our nation prospers, we prosper, even if it becomes as wicked as Babylon. Consider the words of Jeremiah to the Jewish exiles in Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which you have carried, which have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if you, because if it prospers, you will prosper too. It's Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Larry goes on to say this, it's a principle that still applies. In order to bring fame and honor to the name of Jesus, we must bloom where we're planted. We're not here by accident. God has not only numbered our days, but he's also preordained when and where we spend them. Daniel was assigned to Babylon. Joseph was placed in Egypt. The early Christians were asked to serve God in Rome. And we've been assigned to this time in this place. Our task is unambiguous. We are to proclaim the gospel to lost people in the hope that they will repent and bow the knee. Our goal is to win them over, not to wipe them out. But we'll never be able to pursue anybody if our knee-jerk response to those held captive to do the enemy's will remains one of anger, resentment, disrespect, and scorn. We can't toss verbal Molotov cocktails in the name of Jesus and claim we're loving our enemies. 
no one will believe us and no one should, end quote. In Lower Town, where our church is, um, I know some of you are on our Facebook groups and on Facebook groups there in the neighborhood and the community. Anytime there's a group of people meeting together, they get labeled the Flu Klux Klan. Can I just tell you, we're not going to love our community in Lower Town by being labeled the Flu Klux Klan. And we need to love them. And how do we love them in this time? It's to be in exile. It's to embrace this. And care for each other the best we can. Care for our neighbors and our community the best that we possibly can. And it's not easy. Now, that being said, I do want to share one thing, a way that I think that we can assemble. Because here's what I know. Even though we can't meet, the church isn't dead. Right? We're still here. We're still gathering as best we can. So in light of what the governor has said, in light of Hope Community Church's policies, that we are allowed to assemble up to groups of 10 outside, socially distancing with masks on. I'm going to be honest with you. Rewind the clock one week. To me, I thought that was a little excessive. Now that I've got this disease, it's not excessive. Okay, we need to take this seriously. But I want us to assemble. So maybe that means on Sunday mornings, call your friends, maybe meet up together, have, have communion together, worship together, wear masks, please be careful, right? No more than 10. We already have four. Kids count. Kids are people. Uh, they're all people. Um, uh, they can spread diseases better than anybody I know. <laughs> um, you know, I want to, I want to be able to have people over, right? Uh, so six pe first people, six people sign up, come over to my house. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, too soon. Sorry. Uh, when I get better, I will hopefully we'll be able to do this as well, but I want us to do that as best we can and as careful as we can, but not going to the church, not going to the building, but being safe. Again, this is going to end. This will end, and so I want to I end it with Psalm 147 and just read Psalm uh, verses 1 through 7 where it says this. Praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. And if we could just put our own language in there, the Lord builds up Lower Town. He gathers the exiles of Hope Community Church. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the numbers of the stars. He calls them each by name. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music on our God on the harp. We can sing. As we read Psalm 137, how can I sing to the Lord? I'm telling you right now, I think that we can sing and we can cry. We can lament. We can cry out to God that, God, I need your grace right now. And yet, as we're going to sing in a moment, great is your faithfulness to me. And so while we aren't in actual Babylon, we're not forced to commit idol worship. We're not forced to not love Jesus. We're not forced to not pray the way Daniel was. And yet we aren't even in Jerusalem. We're not able to gather together in our church. We're home. And, and quite honestly, even myself included, I'm safe. I'm safe. The building's closed, but the church is still open. How is that possible? Because this isn't the Old Testament anymore. 
because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, that when he died on the cross, it tells us that the veil in the temple was torn in two. What's that mean? Well, for Daniel, there was a different meaning of exile because they couldn't go back to Jerusalem and assemble in that temple. That's where they had to go to meet, to worship their God. And yet when Christ finishes the work of God on the cross, when he pays for our sin, something happens. The wrath of God is poured out on Christ. He takes all of the punishment that we deserve on his shoulders and he gives us his righteousness and the veil is torn in two. And now instead of us going to a specific place to assemble and to meet with God, he now invades our space. He's, he's here. He's, he's here with you, with me, all over the Twin Cities because of what Christ has done. That are we in exile? Yes. Are we mourning? Yes. And yet I can sing and I can worship and I can thank God. Why? Because of the last previous weeks of what we've looked at, because he has forgiven me of my sins. And I can cry out to my daddy, my father, Abba, when I am in, when I am in need, So in gospel application, how can you respond to God while in exile? What is it that he is trying to teach you right now? I mean, he is exposing all kinds of sins in my heart, all kinds of anger, selfishness. And I need to learn. I need to repent. Yet what, what do we long? We long for Jerusalem. We long to go back. I long to see you. I do. Will you pray with me? And then we'll enter into a time of singing, singing to our Lord in a time of communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. And God, it's so hard even this time. It just it's, I, I feel almost embarrassed for, for crying, for not being able to see my friends. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be Joseph or Moses or, or Daniel or Jesus or Peter or Paul. That we're not allowed even to worship. That I'm not going to get arrested for doing a Facebook live sermon. And yet I miss my friends. So God... Would you hear our songs of lament? And yet as we take these elements of communion, would we remember what, what it was like for Jesus to suffer, to be denied by his closest friends, to be rejected by everybody, to be in exile? The one who brings us back from exile was exiled on our behalf. So God, would you receive the honor and glory now? And it's in Christ's most precious name that we pray. Amen.